We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, everything, everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. About. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. You guys are listening to episode 11 of Brunch Culture. My name is Randall Keith, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ms. Lisa Victoria. What's up, y'all? So, as always, we'd like to start off with our weekend review. This week, we had some pretty interesting things happen. Lisa, hit us up with the weekend review. Um, yes, first we want to start off by um, giving our condolences to the family of James Foley, the journalist who was beheaded by the terrorist group ISIS, or as they're also known as ISIL. Um, it, it's, it's a very tragic, um, a very tragic event. Um, this terrorist group is very sophisticated, and they wanted to send a message to the United States, and they did. Um, and the White House has made it clear if you attack, if you kill Americans, we will do something to retaliate. You can't just kill Americans without repercussions. So our White House has been very vocal about it. And they've been very vocal about ISIS, just period. And one of the things that scared the heck out of me was when they was like, we've never seen anything like this before. I was like, oh, I don't feel safe anymore. Right, right. <laughs> um, they said this, this terrorist group is, is more sophisticated than al-Qaeda and they have more uh, more more money than Al-Qaeda, um, and they said that they're based out of Syria, so they're looking to do some something as far as attacking maybe Syria. Um, that's a possibility, but uh, I'm just hoping. I'm like, man, I'm probably going to stay out of the air for a while because I don't, I don't know. Y'all got more money than Al-Qaeda, and we saw what Al-Qaeda did. So I'm, I'm, I'm really on pins and needles about that. Yeah, you say that, and I actually just got off a plane yesterday, so that is, <laughs> but, you know, I'm a believer, so my guy got me. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, and I agree, too, but, um, yeah, I'm probably going to be on the ground. <laughs> you going to stay on the ground just to help him out just a little bit. You gonna yeah, you know, I'm going to exercise <laughs> that, that, uh, you know, that, that, you know, discernment and just kind of, you know, keep my body on the ground. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> so the other thing, the other thing we want to update uh, everyone about is the events of Ferguson. Uh, we, we we did a show last week about Ferguson and um, the the riots that were happening as a result of the killing of Mike Brown. Um, so we just kind of want to up you, update you guys. This past week, Ferguson was uh, in uproar. It was really crazy. It was very hard to watch. I sat there uh, looking at the screen for about three nights in a row and. It seemed to get even worse, uh, even understanding and thinking what we saw was at its worst. You know, you had the National Guard out there. They really started tear-gassing people um, a lot more. You had people getting arrested. It was really bad. The tear gas was bad. You had uh, activists like Mark Lamont Hill were out there. Um, Don Lemon of CNN were out there, um, and a, a bunch of other CNN reps, and a lot of people were reporting. You saw people just getting pushed out of the way, the police moving them out of the way. It was it was it was really hard to watch. Um, 
at this point, uh, Attorney General Eric Holder did pay a visit uh, to Ferguson and talked with the police chief, uh, met with uh, citizens, and actually met with the parents of uh, Mike Brown. And I thought that that was an incredible gesture, uh, listening to the interview of them talk about their experience with just speaking to the attorney general afterwards, knowing that he cared about them and he assured them that a full and thorough investigation um, would go through and justice would be served. And, of course, he's coming from an unbiased, you know, having to trust in the system and coming from an unbiased vantage point, but still just, you know, ensuring the family that uh, they – due process will be done and that this is, will not be something that's swept under the rug. So I thought that was really great. Um, I think if you guys haven't been keeping up with Ferguson, it is a lot to deal with. A lot of people that I've talked to and just heard talk about it, I actually mentioned to a couple colleagues, and they were just like, oh, you know, it's something I want to stay out of. Don't stay out of it. Don't uh, keep. Don't turn a blind eye to it. You know, whether yeah. you agree or disagree, Keep stay in the know. Know what's going on. Do what you can do to, to support organizations that are helping them um, and yeah. organizations, and and make sure that you do get out and vote and you know what's going on because it's not just an issue in Ferguson, Missouri. It's an issue across the nation. So just make sure that you guys are staying in tune. Yeah, yeah. Because my my eyes is definitely being glued to social media on this topic and definitely going back and forth between um, HLN, Fox News. CNN, MSNBC, and seeing what everybody has to say. And it's really people want to be heard. And I think, uh, like you said, when Attorney General Eric Holder came out there, it was it was symbolic to, okay, you're hearing us. Like, you've exactly. heard us. And, exactly. and now that's why it was so important because it's like, okay, now we're finally being heard. And it's so much bigger than Mike Brown. It's so much bigger than the riots. It's, it's this whole thing of in this culture, this has been – this is suppressed frustration and this was the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of people, and they're just upset. And so, you know, people have to realize it's just not about Mike Brown. Details are going to come out that may, you know, they try to paint Mike Brown as a, as a bad guy, and we don't know. We weren't there. And no matter what the what the end result is, this is a bigger issue than just Mike Brown. People exactly. are frustrated, and I don't think that's what the media is really – Capturing this is the breaking point to a long, a long and a and a strained race issue, and so exactly. we just want to we just want to encourage y'all to get involved and go out and vote because you can't we change things at the polls and so definitely go out and vote and know who you're voting for just don't vote your party vote vote responsibly exactly so now. We, it's time for us to transition into our main topic today. We're excited about this topic because it's, it's definitely something a lot of us young adults deal with. Our main topic, why are so many young professionals afraid of commitment? It's, whew, I just I had to take a deep breath before I even said it because, you know, the C word, the M word, marriage, commitment, Ooh. some people can just... <laughs> what are they doing? The Lion King was it? The Lion King. It was like Mufasa. Mufasa. It was like marriage, marriage, Ooh. <laughs> commitment, commitment, Just to even, <laughs> just to even call somebody your your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's like, oh, I don't, 
Let's, uh, you know, this whole ambiguity, gray area, whatever. So, I mean, tell me, Randall, why are so many young professionals afraid of commitment? So, um, you know, I don't like making general, uh, generalities. I, I don't like, you know, making, like, general statements and trying to speak for everybody. But what I will say, you know, this is coming from me. And, you know, I know there will be a lot of people that disagree or what have you, but, you know, it's hard. Um, <laughs> I think we just have so much going on today, and we have so many opportunities, and it's a lot of things going out there. Sometimes commitment, you know, it can just be really, it can be really complicated. And I think I love women, but sometimes I think you guys have a, a tendency to, you know, just add extra stress. Let's just be, you know, let's just have a good time. Let's just be calm. Let's just, you know, hang out, enjoy life, and have fun together and smile. You know, I have a lot of problems. And I think sometimes, you know, <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, sometimes I think from as men, as young professional men, we just like to, we like for everything to be simple and to just flow and, you know, to be positive. We're we're very optimistic and positive, you know, human beings. And we like it to be that way. And sometimes our female counterparts don't allow that to happen. So, you know, it just makes us a little afraid of commitment. That's all. Oh, see, I get you. You know, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not too sure how I feel about the M word right now. Um, <laughs> I've never been in a rush. I've never been one to rush into that. Um, I've I've come from a family. Um, I'm blessed to see marriage done well. My parents have been married almost 30 years, so I know how it is to. I know how it functions. I know how it it you know a healthy marriage looks. Thank God. Mm-hmm. I'm, I grew up in that, so I, I know what it looks like. But, I mean, there's a tendency to say, okay, my parents got married in the 80s. And not a lot mm. of people are the same. You know, you just, the, I'm wondering, does that kind of, does it still exist? You know, it seems like our generation, I don't know. And I think, too, the more, if you've ever been hurt in a previous relationship, you're more cautious. Right. And so you're like, uh, do I want to take that risk? Uh, you know, do yeah. am I unselfish enough to make that commitment? Exactly. So, you know what? I, you guys don't go in too much on my previous statement, but all jokes aside, being really honest, I think, you know, when we look at uh, commitment, um, it, it is, it's an extra, it's one extra thing that we have to deal with. Um, I think there's one you know, this is something that we have to focus our attention on. It takes time. You have to be intentional to have a successful, committed relationship. Um, you, you you have to understand. You have to listen. You have to speak in, in, in a way that is considerate of someone else's feelings. You know, you have to walk through things in a certain way. And in today's time, we have so many options and so many things, other things in life that kind of distract us. And I don't want to be one of those people that is like, oh, well, you know, we can't, 
all this stuff is bad. Social media is bad. Your telephone is bad. Your career is bad. Success is bad. You just need to find somebody and get married and have babies. Like, I don't want to be one of those people, but I think the reality of of life is we do have opportunities that the people before us didn't have. You know, um, things back in the day, it was very, very, society was very, very family-driven, and you were kind of, one of everybody's dream was to get married and have children. And from my understanding, it was kind of like that's all that you knew to do. You got you a job, and once you got your good job, and then you got married and you had children. Well, I, was, I can speak at least for myself. You know, I have access to things that my parents didn't have access to. I'm able to do a lot of things that my parents weren't able to do and to go places that my parents weren't able to go. So for me, when someone says, oh, you know, it's time for you to have a child, I say to myself, I couldn't even imagine having a kid at this age because for me, there's so many things I want to attain. There's so many things I want to do. And could I do those things with a kid? Probably so, but why would I stop this trajectory that I'm on right now to have a child and have to play the balancing game of, you know, I want to be a good father and I want to be there and I I don't want to abandon my child for my career when I can just pursue my career, you know, get to a point where I'm comfortable and then focus on a family and having kids. So I, I think for me that's what kind of makes this whole commitment thing a little scary um, in one part because it's it's almost like, well, at this moment of my life, I just want to be a little selfish and, I, I you know, I want to give to my family and help people out, but I kind of just want to get me together and focus on me and, 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 and get to where I need to be, and then everything else can come. Mm-hmm. And I think, but the problem is that you're always going to be, you're always going to have a new goal to chase. And so it's kind of like you'll never reach that reach that plateau where you're like, okay, this is enough, because it's always something else. Like once you get to another achievement, something else is going to come up. But I think one of the reasons that our, our society is is kind of anti-commitment is because we're living in a society where we don't want to commit to anything. We don't want to commit to cell phone contracts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we always want a way out, and I think that, unfortunately, everything is so accessible to us. It's it's kind of like, okay, I want somebody to chill with, I want somebody to be there, but I don't want to build a life with them. So I can compartmentalize where I can still do me and I can still have my life, and I think that's where we're at. And in society, it was just on the news this week, we have a decline of families in the United States, which they feel is a decline of our society. And so it, a, a decline of families meaning, okay, people are still having sex, so they're still having babies. And if I haven't committed to this relationship, then you have a child growing up without a mother and father in the home. That's when I fracture that child. Yes, the parents are convenience, but the child is inconvenience. And so I think society-wise, we're just moving towards a place where nobody wants to commit. And I think, what what do you what do you say, Amber? Well, I was just gonna say, um, I get that, um, and that is, you know, the research I think is great, but I think kind of we can't 
we got to understand where we are and work with where we where we are. In one regard, I feel like people kind of, you know, condemn our generation or the current generation of society, the state of society today to say, you know, we have a lot of children that are raised in broken homes and that are fatherless or, you know, motherless or what have you, which is very true. But I think we also have to, when we do that and we, we point out that flaw of society, then we have to acknowledge, accept, and in essence, support the individual or the individuals that say, well, I will refrain from having a family now because I'm not ready. Because in essence, let's say, okay, you know what, um, I'm, I'm old enough now, I, I, I'm 26, it's time for me to have a kid. I've, I've graduated from college, I've got my master's degree, I have a good job, it's time for me to have a kid and a family. But in my heart, I know that I'm not ready to be a father, well, when I go out and I have a child and then I realize that once it gets rough that I'm trying to jump ship, is that am I not doing more damage to society than I would have been if I said, you know what, at this point, I'm just not ready for it. I'm not ready to commit in that way. So I would just continue to live out my single life and singleness. And when I get to the point that I am ready, then I'll do it at that point. Is that not better? Um. Yeah, I think you have to want to do it because if you – my thing is never commit because you feel forced because you want to stay in it. You have to get to the point where you want to do it. I can't – anything that you're forced to do, I don't feel like you're going to commit to totally, and I don't think you're going to give it your best. Um, I think that our society has seen a lot of – we have seen a lot of couples who didn't work. I mean, we sit all the time with celebrities. Married today, not married tomorrow. I mean, Kim Kardashian was married for just a few days. I think I don't know if it was a month. I don't. I don't know. It was a short amount of time, and she was divorced. But prior to, they had like this lovey-dovey relationship, and it seemed like it was going to work. And so I think the fear of failing keeps you in prison. And I think a lot of us are scared to fail too. We want to make sure we're picking the right one. And then, too, I think we have a lot of options. And I think the more the more success you gain as young professionals, you're like, man, am I settling? Uh, do what what the – you have this list of what you want. And so mm-hmm. the, the, the longer your list, the narrower your options become. And so you have to like, okay, you don't meet my list. I know, you know, if – or we have graduate-level education, you probably want somebody at least with an undergraduate education. That's just real because mm-hmm. there's the, the educational connect you want to have. Um, right. You want somebody who has, who fits you as far as where you're going career-wise. And I think, you know, in the generation before, a lot of women, they kind of just mesh with their husband and whatever he was doing, that's what they would do. And that's cool. But what if you're already in your career and already moving up the corporate ladder? What do you do with that? Do you just totally throw that away and submit to his whatever he's doing? Um, hmm. And, and so are, you, are you saying, Lisa, that the reason that society doesn't commit today is because of feminism? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know how you got that out of what I was saying. <laughs> I'm just saying those are components to why. 
I think it on a personal note, mine would just be fear of making the wrong decision based on my past history with some people I've dated. <laughs> yeah. It's completely what what kind of, you know, hinders me. I just I'm a little bit guarded in that and making the right decision and wanting to make sure that I'm not, you know, gonna marry somebody that completely turns into somebody else once I say I do. So You know what I mean that's real though. Yeah. I think that's real. I think that's actually real from men and women. Um I think, you know, from a male's perspective that fear factor is something that we probably don't consciously think about or necessarily know. But I think a part of that is true. You know, a part of that is um, I know for myself, um, my parents did, my parents were married and they were separated and ultimately divorced. And so for me, I actually never saw my parents. Uh, They were never together while I was alive. So for me, it's one of those things where I don't want to create that. Now, I love both of my parents. You know, they both I they both did the best they could, um, and I think they you know did pretty pretty great job. But I think that not wanting to create that, understanding the issues that I had to go through as a child as a result of having uh, two parents in two separate places. I don't want to do that. So I want to be extra careful about how I plan things out, how I interact um, at this stage in my life. I want to make sure that I don't make something that's a mistake or I don't uh, find myself in a situation where a child is on the way and I'm not ready for it. You know what I mean? So I think Mm -hmm. a part of that commitment piece uh, is just is kind of fear that uh, as well as just fear of recreating those bad relationships that that have happened. I tip my hat off to the people that can be hurt emotionally in a relationship and not placing blame on anybody, but to have gone through some form of hurt, but will get out of that and say, you know what, I'm ready to just love again. Like, I'll go all in to just love again. I think that's amazing. I personally don't understand it. I understand the process of forgiving, but I think it's so funny. I was actually talking to uh, one of my best friends last night, and he asked, he was like, do you think you're jaded? And I was like, what? He was like, I mean, do you think, like, you're jaded in terms of relationships? Like, has the past caused you to just give up on it, and you just want to be solely about self? And it's really weird, because as a kid, I was always like, oh, no, I can't wait to be married. I used to always say, by the time I'm 21, I'm going to have me a wife, and it's funny, right? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just like, yeah, give me about 30, 35, 40. <laughs> Before I kick the bucket, it's going to happen. Oh, but, you know, I think a part of that, when my best friend asked me that question, is kind of put everything in perspective. And I'm like, man, you know, I think maybe to a degree, I just it just causes me not to focus on it. And I just, you know, focus on in my career and wanting to excel in my career and to be the best brother, the best uh, uncle, the best mentor, the best cousin, the best son that I can be in this moment. Because I feel like those things are guaranteed and those things take precedent over me trying to dive into something else, which is going to cause, you know, even more complications and probably be a setback. You know, I just, I think, as men, we kind of think about those things. As men of today, 
we think about those things and it just becomes a greater risk than anything. Mhm. So I think yeah, too fear keeps us um for, fear keeps us um stuck and we never move forward in the particular area because we're scared because of our past experience and our past hurts. Uh but I think uh there's a, a verse in scripture that says perfect love ca- cast out fear. And I think when you really mm. allow yourself to love somebody, mm. that that will eradicate the fear. But you have to allow yourself to love freely. And that's that's a lesson that I think we're all really, really trying to learn, how to just allow ourselves to love. Because in any situation when you love somebody, you're going to get hurt because you're loving an imperfect person. So hurt is inevitable, but it's kind of like, am I? are you worth the risk? And mm. I like so I that. Think, That's good. That's I good. I think we Come have on. to. We hit have me with to that scripture. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but hit me with that scripture one more time. I need that. Hit me with that scripture one more time. Perfect love cast out fear. Come on. Mm, cast out the fear. Perfect love. That's, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> you know, that's good. <laughs> It's so funny that this is our topic, and this is what we're talking about today, because I was actually just having this conversation last night, and you say that, and I'm like, man, that's real. Like, that just it just penetrated my heart. I'm, You know, I'm probably going to be, I'm going I'm to shout a little harder in the morning when <laughs> I go to church. It's going to be, I got a ready phrase. <laughs> well, we're going to move on to our random topic today. Today's random topic is extremely random. Uh, I actually didn't know about this until Lisa told me about it. Um, I don't want to botch the story up, Lisa, so I'll let you go ahead on and introduce it. Apparently, um, Floyd Mayweather said he apparently calls out T.I., Nelly, and 50 Cent about them not being able to sell records and being irrelevant. Apparently, from the original story, he didn't say names, but apparently, he has beef with Nelly because Nelly is apparently took one of his women, T.I., with the whole tiny and the fighting thing they got going on, and him and 50 Cent, which used to be really good homies, are now beefing. So in response, because 50 Cent is ignorant, it, he says on Instagram, he records an Instagram video that was a challenge because of the ALS challenge. He records and says to Floyd Mayweather, I will give. I will donate seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars if you will read loud a page of a Harry Potter book. And then he has a bucket of ice water and he throws it in his grass. Then he does another one and says, "I talked to my homeboy Jimmy Kimball and he said you could do it on the show, Floyd." He said, "But well, we're gonna let you read uh, Cat in the Hat because we know them big words." Um, I just want to make a correction and say that 50 Cent is not ignorant. He's ignorant. He is I-G-N-A-N-T. He is ignorant. You know, (laughs) I mean, I really think the the 50 Cent Floyd Mayweather thing, they've kind of had like a little small jokey joke about them previously. I mean, like a miniature beef brawling about them. But I kind of think it was like, oh, well, you know, I still have mutual respect and love for this guy. It's my homeboy. But I don't know if we could ever be friends again if you know I'm not that great of a reader. 
and then you call me <laughs> out and say you instead of doing an ALS challenge, you gonna challenge me to read a Harry Potter book, bruh. All in one page though. He he didn't say all of you know four hundred pages. Just, just one, one page. Bruh. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I, you know, you talking about my mama. Like you might as well talk about my mama. Like we used to have a thing at middle school. We was like, my mama, my mama, what? When somebody offends you, like you just offended me, bro. Like my mama, my mama, what? Like you talking about my mama. Like you might as well talk about my mom. You, you call me out, read. <laughs> you know I can't so read. I, <laughs> like, <laughs> that man can read. You know how people get when they box and they just have that problem because they get hit in the head bruh, uh, a lot. I, that, that, just, that ain't right. I, that's it was real me. That was mean. That was mean. That was a low blow, even for fifty. I was just like, uh, yeah, let's not do that. Wrap um, it. Let's wrap it. Let's wrap it. we're gonna leave you with our quote of the week. It's by Colin Powell. It says, "Perpetual optimism is a force multiplier." Yes. Powerful. I, powerful. Powerful thing. That means that that literally means that if you continuously, constantly, consistently be optimistic about life, your force, your ability to do things and to succeed will be multiplied. So keep that in mind. Carry that throughout this week. I'm probably going to tweet that a million times this week. It's a really, really great thing. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Make sure that you check us out. Uh, on our website, uh, which is brunchculturebc.com. You can check us out on uh, social media, on Instagram at brunchculture, and on Twitter at brunch underscore culture. Um, you got those mixed up, Randall. It's, uh, Twitter is brunch culture. Instagram is brunch, brunch underscore culture. culture. Thank you for that correction. And, yeah, <laughs> just hit us up. Facebook.com backslash brunch culture. Make sure you interact with us. Hit us up and let us know what you think about today's show. Comment on commitment at, and use the hashtag chat pound chat BC. And remember that here at Brunch Culture, everything, everything is, up for, is up for discussion. <laughs>